Welcome to the UP Notable Books Club, brought to you by the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association. Sharon M. Kennedy resides on the land of her youth near the country town of Brimley in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. She writes a weekly newspaper column for the Sioux News and the Sheboygan Tribune. She authored Life in a Tin Can, a collection of previously published columns. Her work also appears in all seven issues of the UP Reader. And um, it's so good to see so many people on tonight to talk about the side road kids. It was, I, you know, I have to say, I felt a little old, Sharon, because I really didn't need the glossary. <laughs> Did anybody else feel like that? Like, I mean, I got to the end of the book and there was the glossary with all these things. If I were a kid, I wouldn't have known. And I was like, oh boy, I'm, I'm definitely getting up there. So it was kind of, I don't have my book with me. My mom's just getting on, Charlene. She's got the copy of the book. Hopefully she'll show it when she appears, but um, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was neat to meet all, oh, there it is. There's the book. It was neat to meet all those kids. And we just want to hear a little bit more from you about it. And, and then we can maybe ask you some questions. So without any further ado, I want to introduce Sharon, who is um, writing up a storm uh, this fall, me and, um, uh, Michael B. Klassen uh, did a workshop together, and he is one of your biggest fans, Sharon. He could not say enough about how on fire you are for writing, and you're writing like crazy, and he's loving everything you do. So tell us more. Well, thank you. Okay, first of all, I want to thank everybody for coming on board and, and uh, listening to me here. Sometimes I, I'm a little nasal, and that can get... Uh, and get under your skin but that's just the way I am that's just my voice and I'd like to say Victor I'm really glad that you are well okay <laughs> after your bout with the cat I okay. survived the cat fight so, <laughs> so we'll get that out of the way and thank you to Michael okay and uh now on to the side road kids and this is okay this is my book some of you have read it probably and some of you haven't um, I, I, Victor and I went round and round with this because I said it's not really for the it's not it's not a young adult book, uh, and it's not really for kids who are in the sixth grade. It's more for the parents or grandparents. And then I had people saying to me, "Well, no, that's not that's not true. Um, it can be for for anyone because the kids." that are in this book. Okay, this takes place in 1957, 58, the school year, and the sixth grade, which is the grade that I hated the most. Okay, um, but I've had people say to me that, um, that the things that children experience then are just as viable today because everybody wants to be liked. Everybody has a certain thing about their body, whether it's the color of their hair or, and, you know, when you're in the sixth grade, sometimes you're getting acne and you're gangly. And, and those things don't change, whether it's in the 50s or whether it's in the whatever we are, 2023, I guess. As some of you uh, read maybe my, some of my columns and you realize that I kind of goofed. And, and, and I, was, uh, I, I was, how many, I said three years ago, we were having all this trouble when it was really two years ago. So anyway. The Side Road Kids uh, came about, oh dear. Okay, now I can see myself. Am I supposed to see myself? Yeah, we're, we put you in the spotlight so that you're easier to see. Oh, oh, <laughs> then, then okay. Well, anyway, 
um, this is about a group of kids. For those of you who haven't read, it's about a group of kids uh, who are most of them live on the farm and that's why it's called the side road. And we, it's set in Chippewa County, uh, which is the county of course where I live. Now I grew up on a farm, but every kid in here with the exception of Shirley and Katie, uh, they're all from my imagination. Um, I was trying to think, did I, did I base anybody on a character that I knew? And truly the answer has to be no, because I grew up very, very isolated. On the side road, there were only, I think five families when I was, when I was young. Three of those were relatives and they didn't get along. So even though I had cousins that, well, my female cousin was two years younger than me, we, we didn't play together because, I don't know, just because we didn't, you know, family situation, I think. Nobody, it's like the, it's like the, what is it, that, that Southern family that fought all the time, um, the McCoys and whatever else they were. Well, that's what our family was like, the Kennedys and the Cotlets. Nobody could remember why they were mad, the other one, but uh, they were mad anyway, and it passed from generation to generation. So as a matter of fact, a couple of my cousins just died here. Uh, I had seven deaths in the last uh, two months. So it's been, you know, some of them I wasn't sorry to see go and some were heartbreaking. So it's been kind of a crazy time for me. But anyway, um, the first story in here talks about um, the kids going for a drive and um, Fenders is the older brother of Daisy. And he wants to take the kids for uh, end of the ride, well, end of the summer ride, okay? So they all get in the car, so on and so forth. And this, this is the vehicle that they ride in, okay? And this is actually based on a photograph um, that my mother had in her collection because that my brother and my dad put that together and it was called the bug. And my brother loved to um, go up and down the side road with it. And here it is in black and white, okay? And I don't remember, I, th I think it was a 52, some parts of it were a 52, some parts of it were probably came off of a tractor, uh, maybe off of dad's flatbed truck, they didn't know. But every kid who grew up on a farm had a car or a truck that their dad pulled out to the field, okay? In my case, dad didn't get the amount of money that he wanted uh, on the trade-in. So being the stubborn Irishman he was, he said, well, I'll fix you. I'll pull this, this sucker out to the back field here in the pasture and I'll let the cows enjoy it. So that's where I learned to drive. I'd go there and, you know, just use the steering wheel and turn on the radio that didn't work. And in those days we had the roll windows. So rolled up and down. So that's what these kids did. They all got in there and they said, okay, where are we going? And they all, they argue about where they're going to go. One wants to see the Sioux Locks, and now that's old hat. And one wants to go to the fair and see the two-headed calf. And now they're not going to do that. So you'll have, if you haven't read the story, you'll have to find out where they all go. Okay. Then in another one, um, I call it a strange first encounter. And that's based on um, a girl that's going to appear in the sequel. Her name is Rain. And I didn't put her in this book. Okay. And she was mad at me. Okay. The character was mad at me. She said, Hey, how come you didn't, you didn't introduce me, you know, and I base Elizabeth on mm -hmm. this person who was real. 
So, you know, Elizabeth, you know, Elizabeth said, look, okay, I'll stand in for Rain, but you have to introduce her in the sequel. So I said, okay, okay, kids, okay. Because these kids tell me what to do, okay. Um, so when Elizabeth comes to visit her neighbor, who is Shirley, Shirley lives in this old house, which is really the house that I grew up in. So throughout the book, I'm Shirley. Shirley's afraid of everything. Shirley has no self-confidence. Um, she has a twin brother called Squeaky. Shirley is tall, okay, not very good looking, has a lot of hair in her arms that she's incredibly embarrassed about. And Squeaky is short and fat and he loves everybody and everybody loves him. So they're totally different even though they're twins, okay. Um, so I always wanted to be Katie. Katie is precocious. Uh, she's not afraid of anything or anybody. She's kind of outspoken. She thinks she's pretty clever. And that's who I wanted to be. But unfortunately, I didn't become Katie until I was like in my 60s. Okay, that, that's a long time. And Katie has been in my head for many, 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 many years. And um, finally, I just stopped fighting with her. And, and that's when I started to write these stories. And people have asked me, they said, you know, Sharon, I really don't like what you did here because I really have to concentrate on reading the book. I can't listen to my husband or my wife. I can't watch TV or listen to music because I got to figure out who's telling the story. And I've had people say, why did you do that? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, this is the kid's story. It's not my story. It's not the narrator's story. So believe you me, if anybody who's on here had a problem re remembering who was telling the story, you're not alone. Because I got mixed up a couple of times too. And it wasn't only after it was published, it's in print, I've ordered my copies, it's on Amazon that I realized, oh, uh oh, I goofed up. Okay, and we have fixed that. But um, it's a kid's story. And I really wanted to, I wanted these children to tell their story because it's honest and the narrator stays out of it. I could have said, um, you know, yeah, then they went in the car and then they did this or they went to milk the cows or they did mucked out the barn or they did whatever, okay. But it had to be the kids so that it would be honest. It would be truthful. And, and, and that's, that's why I did it. And it, it is, it, you have to concentrate. My daughter said, mom, she said, that didn't bother me at all. It's probably the first thing of mine she's ever read, okay? And I think she just did it to, you know, to shut me up basically. If I said, have you read it yet, honey? Uh, yeah, 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 but I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Well, okay, she finally got to it and she said, no, I like that, Mom. She said because it, I had to, I had to really pay close attention to who was talking, and some of the characters. Um, Flint is based on nobody, but Flint is one of those kids that is in every grade. He's, he just, he's got a swagger about him. I mean, he wants to be Elvis. He is so cool. Now, mind you, Flint is dirt poor. Pops. Is his, his, that's what he calls his dad. He, he, uh, he hightailed it out a year or so ago. 
Uh, he was going to work on the line in Detroit. He was going to send them a bunch of money. They're going to put an indoor toilet in. He's going to fix the joint up. Well, Pops wrote one letter, no money in it, and they never heard from him again. Okay. So Flint is vowed he is not going to be like Dad. Okay. He's he's gonna he's gonna make it. He may work on the line. And in the sequel, I tell you a little bit more about Flint, kind of flesh him out a little bit more, as I do with Blue. Uh, in the sequel, we learn what Blue stands for, what his initials stand for. And Blue is a liar. You know, every group has to have a liar, okay? But he doesn't tell big lies. He just tells little lies. And he, he's a likable kid. That's one thing about these, these characters. Like, Blue will get this idea when they visit Castle Rock. And in the fifth grade, we actually did go to Castle Rock. And, and, you know, Blue was talking to his buddies and he said, uh, let the girls go ahead. And the, the guys say, well, we don't want to do that. And he says, yeah, yeah, he says, but when the girls go ahead, we stay behind, we can look up their dresses. Because in those days, okay, the girls wore dresses. And uh, Mrs. Lark, she's their, like their homeroom uh, teacher, I guess you'd call her a teacher, but uh, she's, she's, she's taking the kids on this this field trip and she turns around and she looks at them and she says all right you boys all right no more of this okay no more looking up anybody's dress you start walking and so they put their heads down they start walking up all the steps to castle rock okay if, and if you've been there you know there are steps and then she says now you boys you look at me when i talk to you and the boys say but you told us not to look up and so it it's the interaction with these kids because you can just see kids doing that. Maybe not today. Today they'd be hauled off, you know, you know, well, to the jailhouse, uh, if not, you know, to the principal's office. And they're realistic because I got paddled in the sixth grade. Now I was the quietest kid in the sixth grade. I was scared of everything and everybody. But it was the first year that instead of having just one teacher teach all of our subjects, we had imports. We had a man who taught science. I was scared to death of him. I'd never had a man teacher before. They were always, you know, Mr. or Mrs., okay? Uh, we had um, an art teacher and she was kind of crabby. And I don't remember, I was trying to think who the other one was and I can't, I don't, I just don't remember, perhaps a geography teacher. And in those days, they pulled down the maps and we had blackboards. They weren't green boards or white boards or whatever they are today. They were blackboards and there were always maps that you'd pull down. And so in one of the stories, um, uh, Mr. Bartlett, I think he's the geography teacher, he pulls down the, he's, you know, he pulls down the map of Michigan and he finds, you know, the Sioux area. And he, he says to the kids, okay, let's, let's, who knows what the Sioux is noted for? And somebody says, the Antlers restaurant. Somebody says, uh, Dorothy's, Dorothy's hamburgers. And somebody else says, um, Merchant's Bar. Oh, Mr. Bartlett says, what am I gonna do with you kids? He said, forget that, let's go to Europe. Okay, so he pulls down the map of Europe. And he said, okay, now kids, we've been talking about Europe. I know that you know so. Okay, let's say Flint says, I know, I know. Ireland is noted for whiskey. Blue says, ah, you're all wrong, he says. 
Germany is noted for beer. And Mr. Bartlett says, I'm he says, I'm ready to give up. And Katie says, wait a minute, wait a minute, Scotland. Scotland's noted for scotch. He flips the, the maps back up and he says, you kids have a long way to go if you expect to pass geography. And these are the types of things kids in those days did. Now, they might not have been quite as, as uh, outlandish as these kids, but they only knew what they knew. And they all had chores. That's a word probably kids aren't familiar with today. That's why I put a glossary on the back of the book so that the, I didn't, chore was not a word that I used for the glossary, but like club foot, this was not intentional. I don't know why I gave Daisy a club foot. Now I like the name Daisy because that's like an innocent and sweet, everybody likes daisies. I just listened to Give Me a Daisy a Day There by Judd Strzok, beautiful, beautiful song. And um, so I gave Daisy this club foot and I didn't know anyone with that kind of a handicap, but my mother went to school with a lady. And I knew this lady because she and mom were friends. And when the lady would come over with her husband and the husband would of course go to the garage or the barn or wherever with dad and the ladies would have tea because in the fifties, that's what they did. Um, and this lady had a husband, had children, had a perfectly normal life. And so I, without realizing I was bringing in a handicapped child to show that this, what was perceived perhaps by people who didn't know her as a handicap, well, it was just part of who she was. It wasn't, it wasn't a physical handicap to her at all, but she was kind of concerned about when they go into seventh grade and there's a new group of kids, because she's known these other kids since kindergarten. And the first, the first couple of days, she didn't really want to go back to school. And then her mother talked to the teacher. And by the end of that first week, the kids were limping as she was doing and saying, hey, we can do the same thing. And so it, it brought a togetherness that may or may not be in schools today. But in, in those days, it was such a different time. Um, you want me to go on with any of these stories or is everybody still awake or? <laughs> I, I'd like to ask a question. Even though you your characters are fictional, it seems to me that the storylines do come from from your experiences. Is that fair to say? Yes, yes. To, to my way of thinking, this is historical fiction. Uh, some of the some of the some of the stories are absolute fiction. Okay. Um, if I can glance through some of these real quick, um, the green rats, <laughs> or was that true? That, no, that, that's fiction, but okay. in, but in every, you know, in every farmhouse, there weren't rats, but there was always, you know, mom was always, she had her, her, her mouse, her, her trap line. She called it a trap line. Okay. And, you know, Mom was our hero because she she loved to check, you know, for trash. We never really, the only place we ever had a mouse that I can recall was in the pantry, okay? And when mom would hear that snap, oh, she loved it. She'd say, we got one, you know? But anyway, no, the, the green rat was, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but that's, 
I'm sorry to say that Flint did not paint the rats green. Okay, so that one, that one, no. King Tut Day, that's, and that, we had, in, when I was in the fifth grade, not the sixth, but the fifth grade, we had a teacher who made us memorize poems, okay? And so what I did was I took that example and I had the sixth grade teacher, um, who is Miss Penny, who is their English teacher, she gives them handouts and she wants them to know the important history dates okay and when it comes to king tut day um nobody's read the handout okay and so they have to quick quickly think okay what else can we talk about because all we know about it is that he was a kid and he died young and nobody could pronounce his name okay so i introduced poetry where the kid says i i wrote a poem about him i think it's blue says i wrote a poem about him and he's and the teacher says, well, okay, come on up. So then each kid, uh, maybe three or four kids, you know, uh, deliver these these poems. And what what we might do, because I have I've written quite a few uh, children's poems, maybe 50 or so children's poems, and we might actually parlay that into a little tiny book of, of poems by the side road kids in time to come. I'm running out of time. I'm 75 years old. Yeah, I got a birthday in April. Okay, so like like when Michael praises me or says she's she's really you know getting with it now, honey, I have to. Okay, that old toxic, it's ticking. That clock's going you know as fast faster than I can talk. And man, I, I I'm just talking as fast as I can. Now the Christmas play is another one that was fiction. Okay, I did play Mary in the in in our Christmas play. Okay which of course is unheard of in nowadays. But in this one, what it, what it is, is the kids have already decided who's gonna be Mary and who's gonna be Joseph. But Mr. Keller, who is the music teacher, he's the fellow who, when it's his turn to be out with the kids at recess, he sneaks behind the school bus garage to smoke, sometimes a, a cigarette, sometimes a cigar, and then he chews blackjack gum. So the kids always equate blackjack gum with Mr. Keller. So it'll hide, you know, the, the, the smell of the, whatever he was smoking. So he, okay, so it's gonna be the Christmas play. And he, everybody put your, write your name down, throw it in the hat. And um, he pulls the names out. And the first name he pulls out is going to be for, um, I think it's Mary. And it happens to be a boy's name that he pulls out. And so he says, okay, let's say, let's say Johnny. Johnny, you are going to be Mary. And Johnny says, I can't be Mary. Mary's a girl. Nope, we're doing this the democratic way. Okay. So he, Mr. Keller pulls out another name for Joseph. And of course, it's a girl. So that she says, let's say Candy says to Johnny, trade, trade names with me. Mr. Keller says, no, 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 that's not the democratic way. And the kid says, probably Flint. He says, now, wait a minute. He said, we learned in history class that a democratic way, everybody gets a vote. Mr. Keller, Mr. Keller says, you're absolutely right. That's true in history class. In music class, I'm the boss. And what I say goes, okay? So the kids moan and they grow in, and he continues to pull out names, okay? And so a couple of the girls get to be the cows, okay? And other girls get to be the donkey, okay? And, no, and nobody's happy, okay? 
and there's only one speaking part, and that's the angel. Well, he pulls out a name, and it's Russell. And Russell, he lives in Eckerman. And Russell says, hey, wait a minute, he said. I can't be the angel. He said, I stutter. And he said, if, I, if, I am in, if I'm in front of a crowd of all these parents, I'm going to really start to stutter. And Mr. Keller said, exactly when did this stuttering problem occur? And he says, well, I've always had it. He says, well, gee, I've never heard you stutter. And he said, well, that's because I'm playing my horn. And so he's, he's given all of these reasons of why he can't be the angel and announce, you know, the coming of the Lord or whatever. I forget what the angel's supposed to announce. It shows you what kind of a Christian I am, okay? <laughs> anyway, so Mr. Keller says, well, he says, he says, I think you've overcome your stuttering problem because you haven't stuttered once in all these reasons that you've given me. So the kid says, okay. So that was, that was fiction, okay? Um, the balsam tree from my, uh, we always had a spruce tree, but, um, when my daughter was, uh, was about, I don't know, six or seven, our friend lived on Sugar Island and, and he, I'll get to that in a minute, but, uh, he brought us a balsam tree. Well, if you ever had a balsam tree, you know, it's the most pathetic Christmas tree you could have. There's a branch here and a branch over there and lots of places where you can hang your, ornaments but it wasn't much of a tree so anyway um the kids go over to sugar island and they're all excited because they haven't been to sugar island before uh and so once they once they cross they, they get on the ferry and they cross over and they say well what kind of an island is this i don't see any sugar anywhere there's nothing but trees and and the, and so then uh larry who's a native american he says, oh, do I have to tell you people everything? And he gives the Ojibwe name for the, like the sugar sugar maple tree, or I forget exactly what I call it, but I, I looked it up and it's true. And so he said, that's what it should have been called, the sugar maple island instead of or the maple sugar island instead of just sugar island. And the kids say, well, this isn't any fun. So they get to... Um, Oh, I forget his name, not Mr. Sims. He's another character. But they get to this, to the man's house where they're going to. And um, he's already made a track for them in his snowshoes. Okay, you know, so the kids can pick out their Christmas trees. But first, um, they enter his house, and this man has four Christmas trees. Now, this is based on a story, a friend of mine, Roger Pylon, who now lives in Grand Marais. Uh, the first time I went to his house for Christmas, he had four Christmas trees, uh, and, and I none of them were decorated. Now, in the story, I have them decorated according to the seasons, okay? So one looks like fall, spring, winter, and most of them, like, have a beer can on top of them instead of an angel, because, what the heck is his name? I, I don't remember. Um, but anyway, he um, uh, he likes to drink. And, and he tells the kids, um, the kid, he, he, you know, he tells the kids, go out, you know, go on out and find yourself a tree. And the kids tramp all around and every tree they find, there's something wrong with it. Okay. And, and when they do find one that's absolutely perfect, they, uh, they all run to it. And they said, um, I think I have a picture here of, yeah, here's the, um, one of the, um, 
What was her name, Victor? The the gal who do, drew these illustrations. Oh, Joanna Walatalo. She was on uh, last year. Yes, 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 yes. She, she's a really, a, really a beautiful artist. Anyway, so the kids find this tree and it's the perfect tree, but there's a partridge that lives underneath it. And so the kids say, well, this is unbelievable. We might as well go home. We've got better trees on our own backyard. All right. And, and Daisy says, yeah, you might as well put a, put a pear on it and call it a partridge and a pear tree. So see little pieces of my history, my, my um, childhood is in that. And some of it's based on um, people that I've known like that. Now the January thaw is about um, the, the skating rink that Katie's dad has made for them. And, you know, we always have that January thaw and maybe things get a little slushy. And so the, the boys want to play hockey. And so they keep going around and around and around. And Katie can't stop. Well, I never did learn how to skate. And it was only many years later, I realized that I, I can't balance. I have no balance. And that's why I couldn't, you know, glide on one foot and then on the other foot, I just fall down. My mother was terrified. It was going to knock out all my teeth. So... My mother was afraid of everything. And so, of course, I was just like my mother. Thank God my daughter is not like me. But um, anyway, the long and the short of it is the girls uh, praise the boys because they realize if they praise the boys, the boys will clean off all the slush. OK, so it'll be nice then when, you know, they have to throw like pails of water on it because nobody has a hose. All right. I mean that was unheard of in, in where I grew up, okay, because you didn't have running water. You had pails, you know, water in the house. That's why if you've read this, Shirley's house, I'm describing the house that I grew up in, okay, um, and my grandmother did have a cot in the, uh, in the kitchen, and thank God it wasn't there when I was dating, because I never, ever, ever would have brought a boy home. I would have died of humiliation, you know, and I can remember one time one dad's pals came over and he came in the front room and I was in the front room and he kind of looked behind the stairs and I told him it's outside. I knew he was looking for the toilet. I had to say outside, pal. OK, but. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have these stories if I didn't know uh, if I didn't know what it was like to grow up like the, the way my grandparents did. Now, mind you, it was no picnic. Uh, I was no picnic growing up like that at all, but um, you know, there it is. Now I have uh, Shirley waits with Bell. Okay. Okay, 34. I'll yak for a few more minutes. And then if you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. But we had a cow named Bell. She was gray. None of our cows were like Holsteins. I think we had one black and white cow and we had a red one, a red and white one. I think we had a brown one. We had Herefords, we knew what they were, but the other cows, I didn't know that they had names, like a Jersey, we probably had a Jersey cow, but I didn't know that. And, and Belle, poor old Belle, always had, it seemed like she always had a deformed calf. Uh, and I can remember dad saying that um, he wasn't gonna breed her anymore because it was just too painful to go full term and something would be wrong with the calf and he had to shoot it. And we had a cemetery out behind the barn and, um, I don't think I meant, I don't know if I mentioned it in here or not, because I've written so many stories, sometimes they overlap. Um, that's where the kittens, I found that I found the four kittens in the manger. 
Um, and, and I was just heartbroken as a little girl I, running into the house and told mom, you know, there's four dead kittens in the manger. And uh, she said, dad must not have buried them deep enough because I don't know why we didn't get the, 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 the females fixed. Our barn cats were as tame as our house cats. We always had cats. I love cats. And I know Victor does too. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do, you do. Okay. Um, but that was really traumatic for me. And, and that's why I put that in about, about uh, Shirley finding these kittens. Um, and um, it, she had nightmares about that for a while. And um, then with Belle, she was so happy that Belle had a normal calf. And because like with, with the milk cows and in our family, there were always milk cows. There was no such thing as a dairy cow. Dairy cows were the people who had, you know, 30, 40 head. We only had maybe eight. Okay, I'm trying to think of like in the barn, there were maybe four stalls and one four stalls on the other. And when a calf was born, it, it stayed with its mother, you know, until it was weaned. Um, and then and then there was, you know, it was, the milk was uh, put in a pail and it was up to one of us, you know, to feed the calf like that. But it was very natural and it was a very loving sort of thing. Our barn um, had a dirt floor, it wasn't fancy. Um, the cows had like wood that they would stand on, so, you know, probably dadded down um, uh, well, boards, you know, so, so I mean, but I think the main floor, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was dirt. Um, I had it taken down a few years ago. I actually sold the, uh, not the haymow part, the guy didn't want the haymow part, but I sold the log part um, because they were like hand hewn logs. And the guy was going to, uh, he lived in Indiana, and he was going to take it and uh, build it as a cabin. Whether or not he ever did, I don't know. He paid me a five-figure price for what I couldn't believe when I lo he, he loaded up. I said, this is, just a, this is just a few logs, maybe 20 logs, you know. So I, I, was, um, I was a pretty good horse trader. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, we did have a pig, a little pig that uh, dad got from a neighbor, okay? And it did run away, uh, ran back home, okay? Down the road, knew, I don't know how it knew how to get home, but it, it did. And that pig, when dad went back and got it, that pig squealed, I cried. I said to mom, is he gonna die? And mom said, no, no. They put him in the chicken coop because by that time, I guess we didn't have chickens anymore. and. Um, the pig just cried and cried and cried. And mom said, he'll cry himself out and then he'll settle down because we can't put him in the pig pen with the big pig because it, you know, he, he has to be a little bit older. So that's why some of these stories are based on bits and pieces of my past. Um, some are, okay, Mrs. Eel goes away. I didn't know anybody who ran away, um, whose mother ran away with the preacher. But I did have a, a cousin through marriage, and this was in the 70s when I lived downstate. My mother told me um, this, um, uh, my cousin was, the, was her husband, and, and his wife had decided she was in love with the priest in Brumley. And so she was going to run away with him. So <laughs> that didn't work out. I think the priest said, no, I got to say mass today, so we'll have to make it another day. Okay. 
So um, I think that's I think that's about it. Any questions? Have I answered all your questions, or are you all asleep? I I have one question. I really like the character, and I can't remember her name, but she was the new one who liked dolls. As Shirley. Shirley, yes. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm just kind of curious. Now, Shirley, did she come from somewhere or something, or was she kind yeah. of a sure? Well, Shirley is is basically like who I was because I loved my dolls. Yeah, that's I, loved, why I thought it had to be some truth there because yeah. that was a pretty well-written part of the book. Yeah, yeah. I loved my dolls and I think probably because I had no uh, playmates. Mm -hmm. When I was 10 years old, my best friend um, uh, moved away. Her family moved away. And so there was nobody to play with. So my dolls, my dolls, I mean, I loved my dolls. My brother used to tease me and... Um, you know, when he was mad at me, my brother's two years younger than I am. And my sister was four years older. She's passed on now, but she, um, she had no use for dolls. She liked, she was an outdoor girl. She was the one who went to the barn. I rarely, I rarely went to the barn, but I like to go up in the haymow. So lots of these stories, you'll, you'll, the kid will stay up in the haymow. And it really was just a ladder, like on the outside of the barn, we climb up it. And, and you could, there was an opening there and you could sit, you know, and I look south, okay? And like the pasture, I could see the cows in the pasture and things like, it's all grown up now because I live on the original 20 acres that my dad homesteaded. And I just had the real estate aged out today. I will be selling up and moving into town. Um, so it's been a hard decision because I've known this, this side road all my life. Uh, I've known, this this acreage all my life and i had to um i had to tell my parents who have both passed on that i've done the best i can but i can't keep it up anymore and and it's time for me you know to to move into town and and one thing i did want to say and i mentioned this today when when i wrote a little blurb there on my blog um these kids tell me where to go i don't write from an outline when I start to write, I really have no idea where I'm going. I have, I have absolutely no idea. I sit down and I, and I'll start with a couple of sentences, and the kids really tell me where to go. And if I'm stuck, um, it's because the wrong kid is telling the story, okay, it's wrong point of view, or it doesn't belong in that particular story. You know, put save it for another story or for another kid but it, it really is the it's the kid's story and it's told by them and it becomes so clear in my mind and this is the way it is with everything i write whether it's a newspaper column um and each one of my columns i've written thousands hundreds of thousands of words probably because i started writing a newspaper column when i was 66 uh and it just came and and i i often say that each each newspaper column is like a microcosm of a short story because it has a beginning a middle and an end and and i try to remember you know like when you start with the first paragraph and then wrap it up you know in the last paragraph kind of refer back to that um the way i was raised in school 
proper grammar was drilled into us from say second grade on. And I still have a hard time um, beginning a sentence with a prepositional phrase and not putting a comma after it. But sometimes I, I don't do that anymore. And I, I have no problem ending a sentence with a prepositional phrase. And any any of you who, who you know who went to school when I did, you know that's an absolute no-no. And the other thing I love are fragments. I absolutely love fragments, okay? And I know, because I know how to use them, okay? I, 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 I shriek inwardly when I see that I have a run-on sentence or something, okay, that I didn't catch, okay? Um, I don't like semicolons. Uh, to me, semicolons are kind of archaic. Um, so there's some of those old rules that I learned as a child. I don't know if they're being taught now or not, but they really, I mean, my goodness, at my age to remember some of this stuff and to say, oh, oh no, Sharon, you can't do that. And I have to fight with myself and say, but it belongs here. Okay, the, the kid wants to, to he, he's telling this story, he's got to end it with a prepositional phrase. Okay, 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 or started, okay. Um, anything else? Any questions? Hit, hit me with some questions. Tell me if you didn't like the, you know. How about Shelly first and then Mary? Okay. Well, I, I was very moved by the story. I think it's called Daisy's on Red Story. And um, I, I found that um, very fitting for all time, like even in today's world, um, to have a child get the message that they don't matter. Um, and, and yet somehow within her, she had the, but I do matter. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought that was really very good. I, um, I'm planning on sharing it with one of my granddaughters, who I think will really appreciate that story as well. So Thank maybe just another thought about where that came from. Thank you. Um, uh, that came from part. Part of it was part of it was well. Part of it was true. Um, that when I was in school, um, if the teacher didn't call upon you, you the, the way the way it was then, you could raise your hand. But if the teacher kind of didn't like you for whatever the reason, and, and when I was in the fifth grade and the sixth grade, I was, I was raised Catholic and both of my teachers were Protestant. They were the wives of Protestant preachers. And we had to say the Our Father. I mean, this is going back, you know, when you could say the Our Father. And so as a Catholic, I sat down when they said for the kingdom and the glory and the power, I said, because we didn't say that in Catholic church. So I felt rejected, but we did have release time on Ash uh, Wednesday. And so I'd come back, you know, with that cross reminding me that I was only dust. And when I dropped dead, you know, I'd only be dust again. And, and, and so I felt, I felt odd. Okay. And, and I think that's how Daisy felt. Okay, and she thought it was because of her her foot that the teacher didn't like her. But then at the towards the very end of the book, when the when the children say goodbye to Miss Penny, Daisy 
Miss, Miss Penny has had a change of heart. She softened over the school year, okay? We don't know why, okay? But she seems to have softened towards the children. And Daisy is the one um, who comes by because the teacher starts to... Are we done? No. You just blinked oh. a little bit. Keep going. Oh, okay. Daisy is the one... Um, when the okay miss the, they're talking about um one of the ships that went down the great lakes okay and and miss penny says that her dad was a sailor and so on and so forth and daisy goes by her desk and she says i'm very sorry about your dad so it shows that daisy what forgave her teacher okay and it shows the humanness in in the child okay almost being um, well, more forgiving, shall we say, mm -hmm. than, than an adult would be. And, and that touched the teacher. It changed both of them. And I think it goes back to her rejection of the story. Okay, and somebody else, I hope, did that, did that kind of answer your question? Mary had a question. Yeah, yeah thank you. I, I kind of had a comment because um, I think that even though I grew up in Southern Arkansas, <laughs> there was a lot of things about your description of your childhood that were, you know, kind of rang through, not necessarily from my own childhood, but from my mother's. Mm -hmm. And I didn't learn about a lot of that until after she was almost 80. And well, she was 80 and moved in with us after my dad died because she had Alzheimer's. And that was when she finally started telling me things about her childhood. She never had done any of that because I think she was ashamed, you know, and, and wanted to be a different person than what she'd been in rural Southern Arkansas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but, and, but the grammar, that was her big thing. She was always correcting my grammar. And now I find myself purposely saying something the way she wouldn't want it. <laughs> Just because now I can be me. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it's interesting you say that because my mother never talked about her childhood. Never. She said it was too sad. She very, said it was very little. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, fact, it, she told my sister-in-law more things than she told me or my brothers. I don't know if it was because my sister-in-law was just a little bit more mm -hmm. pushy than the rest of us mm -hmm. or maybe mom felt like she was more of a safe mm -hmm. place to talk uh, isn't, and it's interesting <laughs> to say about grammar too because um when i was about 12 okay i i can remember you know mom saying something and i said what and mom would not respond and i said what and she said you say i beg your pardon so we weren't even, uh, forget swearing. We weren't even allowed to say what? We weren't allowed to say, I'm hot. I could never figure out why we had to say, I'm warm. I mean, the sweat could be pouring and it wasn't sweat, it was perspiration. And my mother was, you know, she was the daughter of a farmer and the wife of a farmer. And yet she knew how to set a table. She, you know, she was prim and proper in her own way. And um, my gosh, when I, and that's why I hope, I hope some of the kids of today, you know, 
their parents, their grandparents, an aunt, an uncle, somebody share some of these stories with it because the stories are honest and it'll tell the kid, boy, kid, you got it made today. You know, th these these kids had chores, you know, they got up in the morning to milk the cows and hopefully they didn't smell like barn, you know, because I can remember, you know, sitting behind uh, or be beside a kid and when the heat came on in school, the, the barn came off of his boots and I mean, it could knock you out, you know. <laughs> so we were not a, a high class bunch of people. And um and I think and, my mom told my sister-in-law something about not wanting to have any friends from school come to her house because she never knew if there would be chickens or a pig running around in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, she never said anything to me about that. <laughs> no, no, we didn't have that, but we didn't we didn't have running water. We didn't have the indoor toilet. And to a girl right. that, you know, and there really was no reason for it. I mean, dad always had a job. My, and my mother had two of her brothers were carpenters and one was an electrician. And so, I mean, but mom told me in later years, I said, why? I mean, I was 21 years old when they bought this mobile home that I live in today. Okay. Why? Why do we have to live like that? And she said, well, Sharon, I'll tell you the truth. I wanted a new house. Dad said, we can't afford it. We'll fix up the old house. I couldn't stand the mess. So there was a stalemate. Okay. And neither one would give, okay? And they had the opportunity when when Rain, this girl that shows up in the sequel, when they left, they had the opportunity to buy beautiful home, indoor plumbing, you know, beautiful home, fireplace, 65 acres for $8,000 in 1957, okay? Dad said, we can't afford it. And mom said, well, we can't move the cows down there. You know, there was always a reason they were so afraid of change. And that's that's why I didn't start writing until I was 66. I didn't know that that I could write. I you know, I've been writing these stories, not necessarily these stories, but I've been writing stories since I was in my 20s, but I had no self-confidence. And and that's why I tell people, don't wait until you're 66. You know, I mean, I you know, I mean it's it's if you don't encourage that kid, like my daughter's just had suffered a terrible loss of, of, of a partner. And, and I've taught her, I didn't realize that I was teaching her by example, to be strong, okay? That whatever life throws at you, be strong. And that's why I love these crazy kids. I really, they are strong, okay? They can be dirt poor, they can have handicaps, they, they can be not like poor old Flint. He was telling me today, he says, how come you had me flunk kindergarten? He said, nobody flunks kindergarten. <laughs> these, these kids talk to me today. You know, they said, you know, tell, I want to tell my story. Fenders got mad. He said, how come you told everybody that I killed the cat? And it was actually my uncle who killed his brother's cat. So and, do you have a question? I see. I see. Um, Terry, do you have a question uh, for me, Terry? I, I think I had, I think I had one back when you were talking about writing your columns and this and that, but now it sort of left me. I just, I think you might've kind of answered it and how, I think, I think it was when you were saying how stories write themselves. And I was so glad to hear you say that, um, 
because I've said that. And I know people that are super organized and that goes exactly where they want it to. And I think, what a, what's the matter with me? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. I'll no. second that. I thought of that, too. No, I, yeah. I, I could never. I could never outline because, because then I'm not letting the character do the talking. And I want my characters to each to be an individual. Keep, you know that I haven't shut up. I mean, I could talk for an hour nonstop, okay? And I could think of this story and that story and, you know, going to the well house and bringing in the water pails and, you know, putting them on the, on, on the, 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 the table there. For, one was for cooking. One was for like the, the wash dish, you know, we've washed up with, you know. I, I mean, people today don't have these stories, okay? And if they do, there's a lot of drunkenness involved maybe, or there's a lot of abuse. We never had that, okay? I, I mean, we just grew up crazy, you know? We weren't any more dysfunctional than anybody else in Brimley, okay? And my brother and I often talk about this, and I thought we were the only family in the whole of the UP that didn't have running water. That was a great big thing for me. And Ed said, there were lots of kids that didn't have it. And I said, well, I didn't know that. I never invited anybody over to the house because I was too ashamed. You know, you know, and, and I didn't accept once I was invited to a sleepover and mom said, well, you can't go because then they'll expect you to return that. And, you know, you can't. <laughs> so there was always a reason I couldn't be a cheerleader because, you know, there wasn't any way to get me to the game. So I couldn't even try out to be a cheerleader. And mom said, you're too stiff. You know, <laughs> my my mother would be turning in her grave. Because you know, I was drilled into us kids, never wear your heart on your sleeve and never tell the truth of a lie will do, okay? You know? So, I mean, poor, even my sister, my sister said, never mention me in your columns. Well, now Jude's gone. And my brother has said, never mention me. Well, he's moved downstate, okay? He never read my stuff anyway. <laughs> <laughs> It you know your own just, family. Your own family is the last to read. Doesn't it just kill you that your own family? Well, you know, <laughs> they won't buy my book. <laughs> or, or you give it. You actually give it as a gift, and you never. It's like crickets. You never hear anything. <laughs> I, 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 don't give, <laughs> I gave my brother the first one I've self-published. There, I called it "Life in a Tin Can." You know, because here's mm -hmm. my tin can, and um, my brother never read it. So somebody had asked me this past year if I had any, any more of those. And I said, uh, yeah, I do. So I went down to my brother's, I grabbed the book. I tore out the, you know, to my dearest brother, Ed, all my love. <laughs> and I stole it to the guy for 10 bucks. No, no, no. my brother said, he, I mean, he liked the, you know, he, he, all the bug, he said, that's the bug. Yeah, I said, that's the bug. I got one more picture I'll show you. This is uh, my brother and me. I don't know. Can you see that there? This was actually taken from a, from a photograph and we're holding cats. And you can see I'm, uh, I'm in a dress because we wore dresses in those days, you know? And if we had ever wore a pair of jeans that had holes in the pockets, um, mom would have been horrified and, and they would have taken up a collection for us. Okay. <laughs> My okay. brother finally read my ninth book. He didn't read the first eight. 
but <laughs> and it but uh, he actually called me up and said I wanted you to know that I really liked that last book because it was based <laughs> on stories of our family and, oh, he, and he said and to be honest it's the only one of your books I finished <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful yeah. well I just want to so it's eight o'clock I just want to thank everybody for coming on for putting up with my endless uh, chatter here and um you guys thank are wonderful. You. Thank you, Sharon. And I'm, I'm glad that you and Terry were talking here at the end because I want to take a moment to introduce you all to Terry. She is the author of next month's book, The Home Wind, which I was, I was on a little early talking to Terry. I am loving it. It is a really, really, really good book. I mean, it's um, a lot of adventure and I can't wait to finish it. So I think you're all going to enjoy the talk that Terry's going to give us next month. And um, yeah, that's all from me. Anything from you, Victor? That's uh, a question. You know, if, <laughs> if you have a child, a grandchild, nephew, niece, and they like to write, please, please, yes. just keep them writing. Yeah. And Mary, you have a question. Well, I wondered since I'm not there that I can come to your library to borrow books um, like Terry's book, you know, if, if it's like on Amazon or... Oh yeah, Amazon, and it's you can get it with Kindle if you oh, want to okay. do that. Yeah, I I do have Kindle, and my eyes are making it more and more necessary. <laughs> and I'm my husband loves Kindle. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because as we are collecting books now for year four, and I even have another one here. Um, some of these are a little tricky to get, so I'm going to put that in an email how you can acquire them. Okay, so. That's um, I think that's it. Thank you so much, Sharon. Looks like, looks like you. <laughs> oh, and there's Terry. Okay. So we're gonna talk I don't about know if you time. can do it on the big screen. I'm. I don't see myself on the big screen. Oh, there you are. See the cover. Yeah, we can go. see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's backwards. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> okay. All Have right. a good I'll night, definitely Bye. check that out. You've been watching the UP Notable Books Club, brought to you by the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association. To join or for more information, please visit us at www.upa.org or www.upnotable.com.